Welcome to the fittest podcast in Oakland, where your favorite coaches talk everything to help make you a better person inside and outside the gym. We're back on the fittest podcast in Oakland. And today, we're talking about thoughts. So we're building on our series with Dr. Gustafsson. And we talked about feelings last episode. This episode, we're talking about thoughts. So how your feelings and your thoughts impact your behaviors. And how your behaviors impact your feelings and your thoughts. And how they all connect to your fitness, your goals, and how sometimes perception is not what you think it is. So sit back. Listen up, learn lots, and enjoy how we can change our thoughts to make ourselves better in the gym. Are we ready? Ready. Thumbs up. <laughs> we seem very excited for today. We are. We've been waiting all week for this. Oh. Oh. <laughs> KG, your fake enthusiastic smile face is somewhat terrifying to me. Well, this is basically just making her work what? extra for no money. That's really what we're doing to Kristen. Also, I don't think I've ever seen KG smile that big, so I feel like I'm about to get oh, smacked upside yeah. the head, smacked. or some something's something's <laughs> about to go very wrong for my physical well being. Because she has thought about something and is now finally going to get her chance to do it to me. Ooh, that is a fun, fun thought. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and KG's loving relationship to me where if I haven't been told in a month that she wants to murder me, I'm probably not helping her enough in the gym. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. What are we talking about? We are talking about, wait, am I doing this? Okay. Part two <laughs> of our series on thoughts and feelings with Dr. Kristen Gustafson. Yeah. So where'd we leave off? <laughs> Anyone want to pick that one up? Ben, where'd we leave if, off last week? If my feelings remind me correctly, <laughs> we left off with all of the feelings and how the feelings impact you in the gym. And they lead to thoughts and behaviors or stem from thoughts and behaviors that hopefully today we will talk about to help fix, organize, reshape. Manage. Yeah. Manage. I like the reframe. Reframe. Language reframe um to make things better or make things the same i think I, that was i'm gonna applaud that sorry <laughs> i'm trying to think of like how to how to even manage the the words there because you don't want to create thoughts and feelings through those words because it's all thoughts and feelings anyway wow yeah so just just Take us back. Last week, remember, we talked a little bit about the cognitive triangle. And um, so if you can picture a triangle in your mind and at each corner is thoughts at one corner, feelings are at one corner, behaviors are at one corner. The situation's kind of in the middle, the color of the triangle, if you will. And um, all of those things happen in in reaction or response to a situation. Um, but sometimes we can think that the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors 
are the situation when in fact they're not. And actually, as we learned last week, that we can negotiate with our feelings. The same is true for our thoughts. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the thoughts and behaviors end of that particular um, cognitive triangle. And I thought I'd start a little bit um, by talking first about what we call cognitive distortions. Does that yes. sound like a good place to start? I Sounds love it. wonderful. So, I mean, you can Google cognitive distortions and find, you know, dozens of them. Um, but these are the ones that we tend to see um, a lot. And I would say probably have some impact on folks in the gym. So, um, overgeneralization is one. And this is where we sort of make broad interpretations from a single event or even a few events. And, um, like this one in the gym might be making a statement like, oh, I'm not athletic. Um, and actually in talking to Robin and Ben, a lot of people come into CrossFit with that idea. And it's really an overgeneralization, um, because you got some message somewhere in your life that you, you know, maybe your, your sister was the athletic one and you didn't play sports because you were into drama. And so somehow you had this message reinforced that you're not athletic, um, but that could be an example of a cognitive distortion. Um, and really, the cognitive, there's, that sounds like a very dramatic phrase, but it's really just, you know, irrational thoughts that influence our emotions. Everyone, everyone, everyone experiences cognitive distortions to some degree, myself included. Um, but when they're in their more extreme forms, they can be harmful um, or keep us from engaging in things that we might otherwise enjoy or help us move into a more actualized version of ourselves. So, um, can I give another example yeah, of that? Do it. I've seen it with, um, conditionings and being able to breathe in workouts. People will say, I'm either deconditioned. I am, my lungs don't work properly. Um, I'm so out of shape. I'm so out of shape. What's another one kind of breathing. The one thing I've heard is I feel like I'm underwater. Um, and they make this generalization. They, they, they do that in such a manner, in such a way that then they're afraid to do, another conditioning workout. They're afraid to do this piece or that piece. And what people forget is no name the person in the world name. I can't remember his name. Oh my gosh. He just set the world record in the marathon. Mm -hmm. We can take that individual to a point where he feels like he can't breathe. Mm -hmm. I, it guaranteed 100%. I don't care who you are. I can find a stimulus and output a situation where you will feel like you can't breathe. I mean, that they, they literally train people on that and how to function under that. Um, and so it's where, yes, sometimes in a workout, we actually do need to push to that point because what we find is where we thought the point was and where the actual point are, are two different places. And it's not necessarily a bad thing that once in a while you actually hit that point mm -hmm. and you feel that it actually doesn't speak to your lack of conditioning. It might actually speak to your mental strength to go through your conditioning. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for some people that might come soon, but your ability to say, yes, I'm out of breath. Yes, I'm dying. Yes, I'm this and kind of keep going is actually much mentally stronger and actually shows you have more conditioning there than anything else. So the fact that you could go there in whatever way, shape or form it, it, it creates in life is really important. Yeah. And I, I think that's where I see an overgeneralization sometimes of like, well, yeah, I, I just can't breathe or yeah, I'm just deconditioned. I'm like, 
No, you're actually working on conditioning yourself. Right. That's a line that's always moving, right? I mean, like the conditioning line should always be moving, which is where overgeneralization will really get you into trouble because that's a fixed line, right? That's a statement that's like, it is this. Um, and, you know, that's not going to help you when what you really want to be doing is pushing that constantly movable line forward. Or understanding where it's at in the day. Right. Like it you, might go backwards you, you get a cold, your line is going to dramatically decrease due to the snot in your nose. And that's okay. Right. right. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there where our nose is running way too much. We can't breathe. And it's okay. Yeah. You, you didn't change anything. You just got a cold. Yeah. And that's that's where when you start to remember that and go, oh, yeah. I just have to constantly keep working on this. Mm-hmm. The only time you don't have to work on it is when you're dead. Right. So <laughs> good job. You're alive. Congratulations. Um, I think another cognitive distortion that's really common, I think that impacts people in the gym a lot are should statements. Um, and these are beliefs that we hold that things should be a certain way. I should always be X or I shouldn't. Right. So I think, um, when I was starting, you know, I, I brushed up against the should statement, uh, oh, I shouldn't get bulky mm-hmm. because I'd gotten this message, you know, women should be, shouldn't be bulky. We're supposed to be, you know, whatever the hell. And I think looking at other badass women in the gym very quickly erased that should statement for me, but I I definitely had it. And I think that there are folks who probably have different should statements that communicate or, or limit them um, because they sort of perceive that as, as reality or a belief that makes a lot of sense without questioning that belief. Um, How do you guys see that? For sure. I hear that one a lot. We hear lots of shit. I should have a pull-up by now. That's one mm. of mine. I should have a pull-up. Like, why? Like, why, why is that a shit? You know, mm-hmm. like, I've been doing this long enough. I should be stronger. I should be doing RX weights. I should, I mean, mm-hmm. I should have a muscle-up. Well, I should have a muscle-up if anyone should. <laughs> you know, it's like, it just cracks me up. It's like, well, you know, you, a lot of stars need to align and you need to prioritize a lot of things to get a lot of these things you think you should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would question the statement itself. Yeah. Why should you have anything in, in a certain amount of some arbitrary number of, you know, months or years? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you agree with that, Ben? I agree with that. I think the other one you can look at with shoulds is, um, I should be laid out through each workout. Ah. I should, um, I should stretch more. I should, um, I should eat better. Um, all of those things I go back to, well, what, what are we actually working on and looking at? Like, um, the eye should be laid out after a workout. If the goal is to improve or get out of your head or feel better from the gym, which I think that covers about 99% of people who come to the gym, um, then it, it doesn't, you don't have to be laid out on the floor to improve. Um, one theory I've been listening and learning about is like the, you know, the take Vegas, the house always wins, but it wins at a 51%. So if Vegas always wins at 51%, they're always going to be making money. So if you come in in the gym and you do that 1% extra to be a better, whatever, or feel better or do better, um, that's all you need. You don't have to 
take your soul out of your body every day to improve. Um, and it's that consistency over time. Um, the statistic the, the lecturer talked about was Novak Djokovic wins 54% of the points he plays in tennis, but he wins 83% of his matches. And when you think about that, you go, whoa. So he, he's barely outscoring his opponent, but because he's barely outscoring his opponent every single time, he wins all the matches and is mm -hmm. Grand Slam champion and blah, blah, blah. So that's one piece to it. Um, the flexibility piece, it, people go, well, I, I should be stretching more. I should be doing this. And it's a thought process where they don't look at what they're actually looking to improve. You know, like the, they go back to the should be bulky, shouldn't be bulky or this or that. It's like, well, what makes you think that that's what's, what you need or what's going to happen and what, what research data perception, I don't know, um, helps you come up with that. And I think once you start questioning those pieces, I think Robin said it, it's like, well, why, what have you done <laughs> that you should have this? Um, and that, I think when you start looking at that, the should statement very quickly peels away. Mm-hmm. And, and gets lost. Um, and that I think is most important because it, it might be something that might be a true statement, but when you actually start peeling away the should, you might actually look at going, Oh wow, that's because this and this and this are missing or, Oh wow, this and this and this are going to happen if I do this, you know? And I think that's the more fascinating piece about should statements mm -hmm. is the six questions I ask following it to me. Well, it gives us an opportunity to get to the heart of what's in the way, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to pull up, for instance, or I've been doing CrossFit for a year and I haven't lost any weight. I've heard that I should have abs by now, you know, all of those things. It's, it's like, let's talk about that because this person clearly needs some education about how the systems work, the science behind it. Like, you know, here's how science works. Here's how the body works. You know, these are the inputs that will give you the outputs you're looking for. Are you doing that for real? Are you willing to do that for real? Is it that important now that I've laid out what inputs need to go in to get that output? So I, I think it's really magical when people get to their, they do spout, spout things like I should. And it's usually when they're upset and sad and mm -hmm. feeling the feelings like we talked about last. And all of a sudden you get those those words and it's like oh okay now this is a great opportunity to help them so i think it's all bad yeah um another cognitive distortion that i have sometimes struggled with in the gym is what we might call all or nothing thinking which is um you know kind of thinking in absolutes such as always or never or every um and the one that i've wrestled with a bit is like i'll never have double unders um because I don't yet have double unders. And even that is sort of a subtle reframe because I tend to walk in and go, Oh, I don't have double unders, which isn't true because the reality is, is I have two to three double unders. Um, and I can consistently do two to three double unders, but I'll, what I'll say is, Oh, I'm going to do singles or, um, even when folks say, okay, this is your time to work on double unders. I'll, do my two to three and then kind of immediately go to singles because of this message of like, I don't have double under. So I think that is an all like a type of cognitive distortion that's limiting me or has limited me. 
um, around that particular thing. And you might hear that in terms of um, sort of all or nothing thinking about, I mean, any kind of movement, right? Handstand push-ups, handstand walks, dips, muscle-ups. I mean, fill in the blank, right? But where where do you hear that from folks, that sort of all or nothing thinking? If you don't have a movement, I, I shouldn't have come. I can't do this workout. That's it. That's a big one. It's like, well, I didn't come yesterday because I had stuff I can't do. And it's like, oh, no, no. <laughs> um, I did nevers a lot when I started CrossFit. And they, they cracked me up because they weren't the things that were actually that hard. Like, not, not to put down some of these movements, but I'll never climb that rope. That was one. I'll never get upside down to do a handstand. I literally said that I'll never get a pull up. These are all things that I can do now because I put the work in and I learned how and tried it, even though it was scary. Um, but yeah, so I, I say never say never. I, I think the the better statement is I don't have this yet or I'm not willing to put in the work that I know I need to to get that movement. Yeah. You know, like I'm not willing yeah. to do that to myself. <laughs> or, right. you know, I don't want to spend the time it'll take to do that. Ben said that to me a lot of times. Like, I'm like, yeah, I don't have that. And he's like, okay, let's be real. You don't want to put in the work to ha- to get that movement back, you know, mm-hmm. especially after an injury, for instance, or whatever. So, yeah, I've heard that out of my mouth and I've heard it out of a lot of other people's mouths. And I think that point that Robin made right there of where is it in the priorities? Like, KG, where are double unders in the priorities of your life? Like, low so even if, if I told you tomorrow, I could give you 20 double unders unbroken. Would that change your life? I mean, it makes me want to go to the bathroom, to be honest, because I can't do <laughs> I can't think about double unders without having to pee. But So so again, this this is where unfortunately for KG, this causes a bladder infection or other <laughs> issues that she does not really want in life. But instead, if I go, KG, what if I could give you um through doing single unders, this ability to be conditioned to go on the next hiking adventure with Martin. What would you think about that? Yeah, it's such a much more motivating statement. (laughs) Exactly. And that's where like, I love what Robin said there of what is the actual priority? You know, it, it, we, we can go black and white thinking that's fine, but be honest with yourself on what the priority is. And then work it back from there because to be quite frank unless you are literally doing a sport of crossfit a sport of powerlifting a sport of olympic lifting a sport of marathon running or anything like that you don't necessarily have to do any one thing to become more fit or to reach the goals you want the the thing you have to do is the thing that makes you just a little bit better or makes you feel a little bit better and, and sometimes that's more important than working on double unders. Like, I don't get mad at someone who doesn't have double unders. If they just don't give enough, okay. My next question to them is, what do you care about? Because then I might be able to t- correlate how a double under could make you better at that. And, and that's our job as coaches of like, okay, this is why we do this movement to correlate to the goal that you have. Um, I think the other area we see with black and white is the well I can't be consistent so I shouldn't come to the gym Mm. or I I have to leave early so I shouldn't come to the gym or I'm gonna be late so I shouldn't come to the gym I I I don't think the 9am class has gotten that message (laughs) (laughs) 
but that, show up when we show up. But dude. that's the that's the better part is like I you're know. like, hey, all right, well, we got 30 minutes, let's make it work. Um and I think that that mindset adjustment and path makes is more beneficial than the oh I have to do everything or oh I have to be all in. In most areas of life, that's not necessary. Mm-hmm. And where it is necessary, it's not a question. So that that's what I tell people is like, okay, go all in, but know where that is. And there's probably only two or three things you can go all in on in life. Um, and to be quite frank and honest with most people about the gym, that's not the area for most of our clients. I don't mean that meanly. I just mean that honestly. Like, they, I only see people about an hour in the gym a day. And if you were all in, it would be obnoxious. You would spend way too much time with me. So, yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. And I think when you start to realize that and go, oh, this is the level of effort I'm putting in. Okay. This is the output I get. And it doesn't mean you don't get great outputs with the level of effort you all put in. It just means that's, that's where it is. And we love working in gray. We are not the gym where... I just cannot face 25 burpees over the rower. That was a workout last week. That's okay. Come in and tell us. I cannot face 25. I can't do it today. I just, I'm out. Don't stay home. Just tell us. And we'll be like, we got you. We'll give you something else or we'll make them more intolerable with a different number or a different version or, or just t- do something completely different. You're still going to get something better out of the class than if you stay away. So really want to kind of hammer that one home. And that's, I mean, would you consider that gray area? Yeah. 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 I think another, it kind of reminds me of another um, cognitive distortion that sometimes people struggle with, which is what one we would call discounting the positive. So, you know, we do all kinds of different things when we come into the gym. There's a, you know, part A, part B, uh, there's conditioning, there's strength, there's all these different things. But Sometimes you get to the end and you'd say, how was the workout? And people will say, oh, it was terrible because yada, 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 right? They'll, they'll just focus on the one thing that didn't go right. Um, which can be over time really demoralizing, right? You can start feeling like I'm not getting the gains or I'm not making or whatever. Right. And so I think that can be one where, when we're sort of either magnifying the negative or minimizing the positive or sort of disqualifying the positive altogether, we can kind of get into a frame of mind where, um, really our, our, our perception is, is coloring our overall experience, um, of how we're actually doing at the gym. I always ask the question, especially when someone's kind of feeling bad, it's like, do you feel better than when you walked in the door? And I love that question because I mean, I don't know if people just don't want to say no to me, but no one's ever asked. They always say, yeah, I feel better. I'm glad I came. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's our goal. Our goal is to get you a muscle up. Our goal is to make sure you feel better when you leave than when you walked in the door. I think you would agree with that, Ben. I 100% agree with that. It's, it's, uh, I'm going back to Robin's statement of living in the gray. Every movement in the gym is arbitrary. We made up a back squat. Somebody years ago made up what a back squat was. Somebody years ago made up what a deadlift was. Somebody years ago made up what a muscle up was. Um, and when you start to look at movements like that, it turns into, and frankly, in my head of who gives a fuck? Because <laughs> who cares if I did a very highly elevated deadlift today? 
but now my hamstrings are stronger, my back feels better, my lats work properly, and I lifted a heavy load to make me feel endorphins. Like, okay, cool. Like that's way more important than did I lift the thing off the ground. And that's that's the the thing I want people to take away and start to think on is like, did I do the thing that made me better today? Did I do the thing that made me feel better, happier, whatever it is? I think that's the the cool beans. I hear clients talking about, well, I can't do this or I'm not doing that right. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like you're doing the thing that is going to help you in the long run. And when you get into that training mindset, I think it, it changes everything because now you start to go, oh, this, this makes my life better. This, this makes the things that actually light me up in life possible instead of, oh, I can't deadlift 300 pounds or, oh, I can't do a pull-up. Well, what if you never could do a pull-up, but your arms looked jacked as hell or your back muscles look great in the dress that you wanted to wear on Friday night? Like, would you care that you never did a pull-up? You know, I, 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 this is where you got to always correlate it back to the goal. And, and if the goal is like, Ben, I just want to show up to 9am class and bullshit with three other people about how the world is burning and how my dog is dumb or my dog is the most amazing creature I've ever seen in my life. Then cool. Like that works because you're probably still going to make your health and fitness better. (laughs) So that that's what I want people to remember and remind themselves of. Um, and you see this a lot with injuries. Well, I can't do this because my right arm is out of commission. Well, what if you just did everything with your left? What if you, that's another, uh, that's another distortion that you're leaning into. Do you know which one it is? (laughs) We talk about it all the time. Yeah. Well, I, I I take this one as a glimmer. Like I, I, sorry, I use, I'm now starting to use the term glimmers because that's the finding the positive. Mm -hmm. Like what was the glimmer of today? Oh, it was, well, I went to the gym and I still did everything I could have, even though it was nothing that was written on the board. And I think the more you find those pieces, one, the, the better the gym will make you feel, two, the better life will be, mm. three, probably the more you'll want to go to the gym and that will also help your health and fitness. Now you can go to the one you wanted to, Robin. Oh, well, I mean, catastrophizing. And I learned this before I even went to therapy and uh, talked to KG about it from Dr. Dwayne. <laughs> Shout out to Dr. Dwayne, our local uh, chiropractor. And, you know, I've seen him. It's like, oh, my God, my I don't know what it was. It was some owie I had. And it's just constantly like, I'll never. Oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to walk. I'm not going to be able to jump rope again. And, you know, just. You know, KG, you went through it. I think we all do it when, especially if we've been injured before and all we can think of is all the, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to do the things I want to do. It's like the opposite of what Ben just said. You like go to the gym so you can do the things you want to do. This is like, oh, this is going to be taken away from me. And it's terrifying. Yeah. And it just blows up in your brain. And and instead it's like, hey, and, and, you know, Ben does this for me and all this like, calm down, (laughs) you know, like, let's really think about this. You're not going to be able to not walk forever maybe you don't want to jump on that foot for a few weeks but you're going to be okay you're going to come out the other end um so yeah so we we do that all the time with people yeah well what you're talking about doing with folks is helping them reframe right you're helping them address some of these thoughts that they have and you might not be calling it that but that's exactly what it is 
Um, so let's talk a little bit about how we can do that for ourselves and how the coaches support that work in the gym when we're trying to sort of push and negotiate with our thinking in the same way we talked about last week, negotiating with our feelings. Um, some of how we negotiate with our thoughts, um, is through reframing. And the other way, which we'll talk about next is through our behaviors. So through reframing, there's a variety of different ways where we can just sort of push at that thought a little bit. Um, and Robin and Ben have talked about it on repeat already today, which is ask questions, right? Ask, help people think about well, what was the goal? Help people think about, well, is that really true? Help people think about, you know, what is behind that statement, right? Um, that is really, um, a huge piece of, of negotiating. Um, and I love using humor to help find, um, a way to reframe. And I, I spend more time with Robin than Ben, but, um, Robin's great at this where she'll say like, Oh, did that hurt your feelings? And I'll laugh because it's like, Oh yeah, I needed to negotiate with that. I'm being whiny or I'm being or whatever, you know, like, um, and whining never bothers Robin. She always says, if you're not whining, you're not really trying. So, <laughs> you know, it like creates that acceptability of that, but also like, it's a way of, of telling the petulant toddler, like, you know, maybe, maybe you can do this. Look at, look at what you did anyway. Um, and then asking like that question, are you glad you came to the gym today? Like, or do you feel better now than you did when you came in? Um, and I think, you know, what you've experienced is that almost a hundred percent of people will say, yes, I'm glad I came. Um, and that is a way of negotiating with that thought that you had of like, shouldn't come. I don't have double unders. I can't do this. I don't feel like that. I'm like, whatever. And yet somehow you're, you negotiated that both through behavior and through reframing, right? Because wh what did you do in behavior wise? You showed up and did the workout anyway, or what you could do. And then part of how that helps is then, then you think about it and you ask those questions. So it's sort of the both end on the behavior side. Um, I think this is another thing that the coaches are really good at helping us negotiate, which is when you have that thought, I'm dying, I can't breathe. I'm not conditioned, whatever. Like, um, they'll often say, okay, two deep breaths. Let's go pick it up again. Like they're helping coach, um, resilience and pushing back against that thought of, oh, I'm not conditioned. I can't do this. Um, and when someone tells you, like uh, when that happens to me, odds are I take two deep breaths and I pick the damn thing up again. Um, even if my thought was, I can't do this. Like what we realize is that just because we think it doesn't mean it's true. And what I learn over time is, oh, I, I'm, look at us. I didn't, we didn't die today in the workout. <laughs> and I picked the thing up when I thought I couldn't pick it up again. And then I did it again. And then lo and behold, I did it even again and again. And that one changes my thinking, but it also does that through, um, through my choice, through coaching encouragement to behave in a particular way. Love it. So where do you see that? Where do you see your ability to kind of influence behavior and then sort of change people's minds as a result? Well, I would like to talk about, go back to the bulky. Oh, okay, great. The reason is, is because it's a very sensitive subject and uh, for guys too, maybe in a different way. I don't know, Ben, you can weigh in on this, but for women, and I've been doing this a really long time, I get a lot of pushback on, on, you know, aesthetics and it's tough. And I think one of the things I've learned to say is, you know, that's okay. That your goal is not to get bigger, 
But I also say, this is my favorite new phrase, I'm not in the business of making you smaller or less than or take up less space. I am not in the business of you taking up less space. I'm in the business of making you strong, fit, powerful. I want you to take up more space in the world. So that's where I'm coming from. You know, so I just give that out. Like, that's where I'm coming from. It's okay that you have a different goal, but I just want to know, you know that I'm going to push you to get power, right? And whatever that ends up looking like, that's what it ends up looking like. I don't know if that's a reframe, but that's kind of, and again, I struggle with that because I don't want to put someone down because I know it's really scary for a lot of people, um, what they look like, you know, and it's really important to them. So that's my example. Yeah. But in some ways you've given, uh, you've, you've shown. So part of why people have that thought, right. Is because it's been, they've been taught that they read it in magazines, whatever the case might be. Right. And now all of a sudden they're in a place or, or a situation where they could get different messaging um, and be fed different information and have different thoughts and be exposed to different bodies. And I, I mean, I don't know, looking at a bunch of strong women lifting the heavy stuff, like uh, that's going to change your view of bulky real quick. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like all of a sudden the exposure um, has helped shift because now we're not staring at the same things we've been staring at. Yeah. Maybe it makes it a little less scary too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of things we say to people to try to get them through. What about you, Ben? Can well, you think of any? I can think of a lot. Um, okay. but I'll go back to your example. Okay. Um, one thing I do is I, I ask them more questions around that fear. So the first question I ask them is, who do they not want to look like or who do they want to look like? Um, because we all have an aesthetic goal in some way, shape or form. And what usually happens is they, they connect to a person and I can usually show them how that person does what we do. The other question I ask them is what level of effort are they willing to do? Um, <laughs> from, I, I could ask both of you, how easy is it to get stronger and get bigger and bulkier? Hard. Hard. Really hard. <laughs> so the next question I usually ask is, are you going to come to the gym six days a week for two hours at a time? And are you going to eat this amount of protein and this amount of calories? And are you going to sleep and do these things? And most people, when I start to lay that out, they go, oh, no way. And then the last piece I do for them is, okay we can agree that that probably wouldn't happen overnight. And they go, yeah, probably not. I was like, do you think if we took measurements and measured consistently and we saw that trend coming, we couldn't head it off at the pass. And most people, when they start talking through that and thinking through that and working through that, they go, oh yeah, that would be hard to do. Um, so that's where I look at it of more of like a, education path mm -hmm. of like, who am I to tell you what you want to appear like in the world, be like in the world, that's up to you. But I will tell you what it takes to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where I think people get misconstrued or like that. I'll, I'll go to <laughs> I had a client tell me that he has an injury. Um, and his doctor told him that it takes professional athletes two months to get that done. And so he was frustrated that he wasn't done in two months. <laughs> so I very quickly reminded him his desk job that he does and his 
fathered responsibilities and all of those things. And his, and he, he told me himself, he's like, yeah, I only work out twice a week. I'm like, so if you really think about it, you focused on this injury, maybe four hours in a week. How many hours do you think a pro athlete does in a day? <laughs> and he very quickly went, oh. <laughs> so it, it's where I'll use education to help them find what they're looking for um, in that reframe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's one thing we do. We try and do really well in the gym. I don't think we always do it. Um, and that. And we talked about the non-athletic kind of that, that comment, you know, kind of like, I can't, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. And it's, it's, it's constantly reframing that for people. Like, you're not good at everything. Nobody is, but look at what you are good at. Let's talk about this thing that you just did. You did. And let's look at, I have a lot of people like they're six months in and it's like, do you remember the first time you squatted? I mean, stop talking about how your squat should be bigger. Look at you, you know, and it's, and we have to constantly remind some people that Mm -hmm. look at how far you come. You don't see it. I see it. I see it every day. When I look at you, I'm so proud of you. Mm -hmm. Um, Just saying you're proud of someone can sometimes knock them out of that. And then the catastrophe, not that you catastrophize, you had a back, bad back injury. Um, But the way we're like, Hey, come in, we're going to sit with you. We're going to show you what to do. I don't know if that reframed it a little for you. Like, you know, I know just getting some solutions and being like, this is how we're going to fix you always helps calm my catastrophizing down. It's like, okay, so your knee hurts. All right, let's talk about that. And and again, Ben is great at this. You yeah. guys do your one-on-ones with Ben because it's amazing because he'll be like, okay, what have you been doing lately? And he knows everything I do because I have diary of the mouth and I tell him everything. But um, he'll be like, Robin, you just hiked and then you did this and then you did this and you have been very stressed about blah, blah, blah. No wonder your back hurts or no wonder you need it's like, oh, and it just calms me right down. It doesn't take it. Nothing's changed. That thing still hurts. But it's like and then I always go, what should I do? You know, it's like you need to do more 90 90. You need to do it. Now I have a plan. Yeah. The plan helps. Yeah. If, yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because um, speaking of this back injury, um, Ben actually really did help reframe it because he reminded me that when you're rehabbing, that's hard really hard and it hurts and for some reason that was such an aha moment for me I was like oh okay all right so if I'm going to be in pain already I might as well be rehabbing it and having that pain be useful and go for something than just because I'm laying around and trying to rest it and have it not help um and I don't know that just like flipped a switch in me that that I needed to hear and hadn't somehow it hadn't gotten in there in any other way but that was a reframe that I needed for sure. I apologize for laughing at you, KG. Um, but that that is one of the biggest things I see. And I, it, it makes me laugh so much because you look at anyone else in the world, if you've followed any sports and someone gets hurt, the biggest thing they say is the rehab process is the hardest thing they will have to do to get back on the field mm-hmm. or back on the court. And for the rest of us who have regular aches and pains, we forget that. Yeah. (laughs) And I just go, come on guys. Like, (laughs) yes, this, this is not what you wanted and this is not fun and is not cool. But what do you expect? Like, like 
if there was a magic pill to any of this, like, uh, Jesus, I would, I would hand it out like candy, like magic pills, <laughs> like magic pills. <laughs> yeah. Like I would hand it out like hundred dollar bills. Like <laughs> if I had those, yeah. um, it, and I think like, I, I, I don't have any special powers. I just have a, a situational awareness from being in shitty situations of this is terrible. Okay. What do we do? Because the, the, the it, it, when you get put in bad places, you just, it, there's nothing else to do. Like it, the, I've lived the life of, it can always get worse and it has gotten worse. But what I always had to do is, okay, you have to do something. Mm-hmm. Cause if you just stay put, when staying put is doing something <laughs> you're, you're going to do something no matter what so you can sit there and do nothing which is a choice or you can try something and and when you start talking to people and thinking about that and thinking about that you can think about that at work you can think about that in your personal life you can think about that in driving to wherever you're going you can think about that in the gym and in it's okay not to act, but you need to know the ramifications of those actions. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, if it was easy or done for you or all of these things, you wouldn't be in the place that you were. And that's okay. But just, just recognize that like, okay, got it. And doesn't mean don't have the feelings, don't have the thoughts, don't have all those things, but then you have to go act on them. And that's, that's really hard for people because it's, it's where, but I feel this, but I, I see this, but I think this, and it's like, okay, yeah, those are all real. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, I see that all the time. So if you start analyzing your, your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors and thinking about it through this cognitive model that we've been talking about, you might notice some things in the gym. Um, you might notice being able to, to negotiate with your feelings a little bit. You might notice when the coaches are trying to get you to do that. You might also notice when coaches are trying to get you to, to test that thought a little bit, push that thought a little bit. Um, so when we talk about these cognitive distortions, which again, all of us have, we all wrestle with these in one way or another. Um, again, generally they're situation specific. So you're thinking that way about double unders or you're thinking about that way about being on time or whatever it is, right? In relation to what's going on at the gym. Um, sometimes when we look at um, a bunch of situations, so just like Ben was saying, situation at work, situation in your drive, situation, you know, at home, situation in relationship with your partner or whatever it might be. Sometimes we can begin to notice themes and themes are often sort of unconscious things that we think or believe about ourselves or the world that aren't situation specific. So if we have that same, you know, lots of should statements about, um, how you look that come up in situations at work and come up in situations at home and come up in situations with your partner and come up in situations with the gym that can sometimes point to what we call in therapy. So here's the free therapy part part of the podcast, um, point to something we call a core belief. And these are often really unconscious, but relatively stable ways that we sort of perceive ourselves or the world. Um, 
They're the same though, in the sense that they're just another cognitive distortion and anything that we can negotiate with in our thinking, we can also negotiate with at that sort of deeper core belief level. But sometimes it can point to um, those things where we kind of have to figure out, well, where did I learn to believe that? Where did I get that message, right? So somewhere along the line, we got the message that we're not athletic or we got the message that we're supposed to be thin or we got the message, trying to think of some of these beliefs that relate to the gym, um, we can begin to sort of untangle that a little bit more um, and kind of get down to challenging and reframing that belief um, because we recognize that it's not just affecting the work in the gym, but it's also sort of pervasive across multiple areas of our life. I have seen this in a very positive way in the gym. A lot of the messages, um, again, I keep coming back to women because it's what I know. Um, I should not be angry. I should not show my emotions. I should be nice, polite, pretty, acquiescent. All those messages we all got throw those away when you walk in this door, right? We get sweaty. We make noises. We throw things. We yell. We get upset, you know, and it's all part of it. And it's like you sweat, even like you just, you're just gross, right? And it's okay. It's almost, it's freeing and it's awesome. It's one of the things I loved when I started CrossFit was just the like, just let that inner tiger, as I call it, out. And it's fun to watch people go through that transformation because some of the stuff we do, a lot of the stuff we do, you can't be timid and do it well. You have to let that tiger out. And some people are just so cautious and it's like, because I I think they've got that message and it's fun to watch uh, people kind of let that go. I love that. Right. And we learn that and and it gets in there and it sticks in there. And then all of a sudden it can be gone when we have a different model, a different message that we're getting consistently that helps us go, huh, I wonder why I thought that. I wonder why I believe that. I learned to love being around other women and socializing with women. They always hurt me and scared me, you know, and in here it's like you get to compete in a healthy way. It's okay to compete. You don't have to compete over men or clothes or gossip or like talk about someone behind their back to bond with someone. You get to bond with them over something completely different and healthy. And I liked that one too. One of the other things that I think helps challenge some of my own cognitive distortions are the things that other people in the gym believe about me for Mm, me, right? mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, when, when I'll, I'll think, oh, I couldn't do that. And someone will be like, oh no, I, let me show you, you totally can watch me and then let me help you do this thing. And then, you know, so like I mentioned the thing about, you know, handstands or whatever last week, like that was someone else going, Oh no, I totally believe that you could do this. And it took someone else's different thoughts to really change mine and help me think, Oh, okay, well, I guess if they think I can do it, like I trust them, you know, it, which is like silly, but sometimes we hold more grace for others than we hold for ourselves. And I think I've seen that in here where the community of the gym really pushes me um, in good positive ways because they, they, Oh, absolutely. You have more in the tank. Look at that. Look how easy that lift was. You absolutely, even mm-hmm. though you're like, but I'm at the, whatever number that I believe should be the limit. And they're like, Nope, that, that looked too easy. You sh- you, you got to try if you fail fine. But like, I totally, you know, and like being able to see some of the things that we can't even see for ourselves, I think is really helpful in changing my own thinking and understanding about uh, my own limits. 
How have you been? Core beliefs. KG, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you can also spin this positively. Of you have a positive belief. Absolutely. Um, and that's something I try and do in the gym a lot of, with people is remind them whether it's in work or other things, you do hard things or you do this or you have patience. You didn't talk to Grace. You have patience with your employees. You give feedback to your employees and you work through that with them, but you're not doing that with yourself right now. One example I have from this week is two clients, they were struggling to move to move a weight that they could move as fast as we had talked about moving it for them. And I asked them both, I said, I said, I don't think you're being, I don't think you're finding discomfort well enough. And they're like, but it's really hard, Ben. It's really uncomfortable. And I go, but you both know, they both play ultimate Frisbee. You both know in the middle of an ultimate Frisbee game, you're not stopping. You're going for it. You're doing it. You're not going to pause there. You're not going to go, Ooh, this feels a little uncomfortable. I'm not going to go, but you're doing that right now. And when they thought that, and when they saw that, I think the next round, they actually went for it and they did it several times. And so it's, it's reminding people that the core themes that you do in other parts of your life that are positives need to also translate into the gym and the new thing that you're doing or the different thing that you're doing or the hard thing that you're trying like KG in the handstand. It's like, oh no, I overcome things that I'm not good at every day in work. Why can't I overcome them in the gym? And, and, and giving yourself that, you know, I'll call it disproportionate confidence or delusional belief in a positive manner. Mm -hmm. Like the person who is the best, probably at one point in time, believed that they could be the best and work towards it. And so you kind of have to have that slight delusionness to it. Um, yeah, you know, I I have a kid who hasn't been in a while, but he he used to come more consistently to the teen class. Just started high school, <laughs> and um, and I think he learned some of that belief from Ben and being in the teen class. And I, I mean, I he took this big, um, really kind of pushed himself trip this summer, um, twelve day backpacking trek went over eighty miles, and um, he knew it was going to be really hard. But one of the things that he told himself was, I don't need to be the fastest and I can take breaks. Um, he didn't want to stop. He wanted to be consistent, but he, he worked really hard on conditioning and then also gave himself permission to, um, to take breaks and to not be, you know, the first one to the top of the peak. Um, and they did, I think their highest peak was almost 12,000 feet and, it was amazing, but some of that was because he'd put in the work here. So it's not just that we do the that at work all week and then we can come in and push it at the gym. Sometimes what has happening at the gym is translating into what's going on outside. Um, and the positive messages that we learn here um, can help us in other areas of our life. And I think that was really true for my kid, and I've seen that in myself and others. Yeah, it. I did same we learn to be uncomfortable here. We learn we're not going to die. And then, yeah, you're like, okay, just go be uncomfortable out there then. And I think that's the, the piece that I'll, I'll also translate in all of this is like, 
you can use any one of these distortions to make them a positive too. We, we kind of talked a lot of negatives mm -hmm. and I think you have to, I think most of these you tie into negative things, but you know, you can also tie it the other way of like, how do I turn this into a positive belief that is slightly irrational, you know, <laughs> like, and sometimes that's massively beneficial. I won't say always because I definitely know some irrational beliefs that are really negative. <laughs> so I think that's kind of one thing to take away is like, oh yeah, I should have some irrational positive beliefs in myself. Yeah. And I think sometimes we see that, right? Like I watch Jamie do a muscle up and I go, oh, I could do that. <laughs> and then I go try so it. It looks so easy. She makes it look amazing. <laughs> look at her. And then I go, oh no, it's not. But like, at least it made me willing to try, or at least it made me then, you know, like go, oh, okay, this is how far I'd have to work and go to get that thing. And yeah, I mean, I do think there's like, uh, that's how I learned rope climbs. Like I just watched somebody do it and I went, oh, that doesn't look that hard. And then it was really hard, but like, once you learn the technique, you go, oh, there's, you know, you just, if you get the clamp right, you're, you know, you can kind of make it up or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're hard, but like, they weren't as hard as I thought they were. Um, and it just took, you know, a little bit of an irrational, like, oh, okay, well, everybody else is doing it. I guess <laughs> I'm going to, you know, which is silly, but like, that's part of it, right? Like part of yeah. it is making it, making you feel like this could be attainable. Well, you said, and I love this, your message of hope, I'm going to call it. <laughs> and you say it all the time to me. You say it all the time to other. You learn these things, you can unlearn them. That's right. Right? So you can have these core beliefs. Like Ben said, they're not always negative. And you can create core beliefs in yourself. Like KG is tough. I, every time you tell me stories, like it's like, yeah, you're tough. And people see you like that. I don't know if you see yourself that way, but people see you like that. They're like, oh, yeah, KG's going to do this. Yeah, of course she's going to do this. She wouldn't say no. She's tough. And that's like a core belief others have in you. So and I think that's really positive. Oh, thanks. And smart and pretty. <laughs> but yes, I love the, you know, the, you know, feelings, thoughts, and then the behaviors. And mm -hmm. like you said, it's a triangle, right? So they all go into each other in different directions. Like it's not like one, a circle where you start here yeah. or, or a line where you start here. And go, it, they all feed into each other. And, yeah. I mean, you could sort of look at it like a mobile that hangs over a child's crib, right? Like it sort of, all the things are dangling there. And if you pull on one, you're going to make the whole thing move. Yeah. Um, and it's similar. Like if you pull on the feelings, if you pull on the, the thoughts, if you pull on the behaviors, you're going to make the whole thing move. And that's what we want, right? Because we're trying to test it's almost like an experiment when we'll call them that we'll call them these behavioral experiments when we're doing this work in therapy. Um, I know you feel like you can't do this. I know it, you're having the thought that you can't do this, but what if we just behaved for a second, like we could, um, and gave it a try. What if you just tried this? Um, that's a behavioral experiment and you're going then and testing out. Okay. Well, I'm having this thought or I'm having this feeling, but what happens if I behave in this way instead? If my initial behavior after having that thought and feeling would be to like go take a break and get a sip of water instead of keeping going, what would it look like for me to not do that? What would it look like for me to just go, I'm not, I really want a sip of water, but instead I'm going to keep going on this stupid bicycle 
and I'm going to wait till the clock tings and then I'm going to get a sip of water. Like, would I die? I'm, I'm, that's my fear. That's my thought. I'm going to die. And we do this thought experiment or this behavioral experiment rather. And lo and behold, we learn, oh, look, we didn't die. Hmm. Does that change or help me then sort of push against these thoughts and feelings a little bit? We can engage in those behavioral experiments all day long. Well, you said um, in our last episode too, that, that these are all like muscles, like you can treat them like muscles. You know, you, you get stronger where you train. That's right. So I love it. You've given us so many, many thoughts, feelings, and tools. Great. <laughs> yeah. And I know we're talking a lot. I mean, obviously it's a gym podcast that so we focus on what applies to the gym, but it applies in all areas. So take it and translate it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do that in like the car. I hate being late and I get super anxious if I'm late or run into traffic. And it's just, I do that thing. Like what would happen? What happens if you're late? Mm. What's going to happen? Like, look, look at, play it forward. And it's just so funny. It's like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. You're going to be fine. But it feels, does not feel that way. Yeah. yeah. Any final thoughts, Ben? I, I think the biggest thing is remember that the gym is not just physical. You, you can't block the other pieces out. And the moment you realize that and the moment you work through that and the moment you realize that the gym doesn't happen in a one-hour vacuum, one, the better the gym will make you feel. Two, the better the rest of your life will feel. And three, the more credit happiness and uh, also like glory <laughs> you will get like I don't have a better word for it but I think I think when you start to see that I think a lot of the things people struggle with will go away and not in like a they will go away like they'll be done with them like in the 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 kg injury sense it's like no it's not going away you got to work on this but you now have something to work on and towards and I think that always helps. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, um, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that this, this should help people. Um, I would also, if you don't share the podcast, I would share this with someone else. Um, maybe have no interest in ever doing CrossFit, never want to do any of that. They have a different fitness goal. They're a runner. They're this. They can take these same principles and apply them and use them and work on them. Um, so definitely share this with people outside of the gym, even if they will never come to the gym. I think, I think that's, this will help them. So. Thanks Ben. Thanks Robin. You're I welcome, do want to say really quick, um, before we go, because some thoughts and feeling, most of the ones we're talking about are, I'm, I'm not gonna say benign, but they're like normal, healthy, all feelings are normal. But if you do feel so overwhelmed, that, you know, I mean, there are times when you really do need to, we encourage you to reach out for help. Do you, can you give a couple of instances where you would maybe not just talk yourself out of a feeling or a thought that we, do we want to go there? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you do need support, whether it's in the form of therapy, whether it's getting yourself to a hospital, I mean, whatever that might be. Um, and you know, sometimes I, I practice this with clients. A lot of my clients actually struggle with suicidal ideation because of the trauma they've experienced. So not necessarily thinking about that at the gym, but 
that's a really normal for folks who've been traumatized. That's like completely normal, uh, an experience to have. And so we'll actually work on, on strategies, um, together for how to, um, make sure that we have resources and supports. But that's another reason why it's really important to identify some of these um, thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, because then you can begin to identify your triggers. So for example, in working with a client who struggled a lot with depression, one of the things they recognized was like, oh, I know it's getting worse when I stop making my bed because I just want to get back in it. Mm-hmm. And they would notice that. Okay, now I know I need to get, you know, in an extra session or I need to get some more sports. I need to call a friend. I need to whatever, because, um, you know, I'm two days into not making my bed. It's a silly thing, but it's part of what we, um, talk about when we're talking about trying to be conscious versus unconscious, right? We're trying, talking to be talking about trying to be as aware as possible, um, so that we can negotiate with these things. And, and, you know, when we're down and out, it doesn't mean it's, um, a fait accompli. It just means like there's going to be some more supports and negotiation that's needed. Um, not to be overly simplistic, but, um, yeah. So, um, and we can all benefit from working on these things and you do, it's like everything you need a coach, right? That's right. You need someone like KG to help you. And so, and there's no shame in it. And, and if this is your like first exposure to mental health, like, I mean, I literally will practice with someone who's like, Oh, I could never call a suicide hotline. I'll be like, well, let's call one right now. Let's do it. You don't have to plug it in your phone as suicide hotline. Call it Aunt Betty. I don't care what you do, but let, we're calling it right now. And then I'll literally be like, hi, I'm Kristen. I'm a social worker. I'm here with my client, Joe. Has never called a suicide hotline before, but we're calling one together. So they, they normalize what, it. right. Like you should like, Oh, well, that wasn't that bad. I thought they were going to be all, like, you know, because again, the catastrophizing, the terrible awfuls, the, all the things that they're, you know, no, they're people who are supporting you. <laughs> they, they want you to stay here on the planet and figure out how to work this shit out. Yeah. And not everybody's that way, but like, you know, if you're having challenges in relationships, if you're having like, you know, I don't know, there's lots of, there's a few fair folks at the gym that I would suggest therapy for, but. <laughs> Oh, well, I've had it suggested to me for years. Hold that list. Because <laughs> uh, we are recording right now. So if you say that, KG, we'll get in trouble. Um, she doesn't care. I know she doesn't. I know. But if I don't warn her, I will get in trouble. Um, and I think that's what you just showed there, KG, is that that mindset of practice of you don't have to have this figured out, but you do have to practice. Well, and it like... There are so many people that I'll be like, hey, what do you do to help sleep? What do you do to help with, you know, like, oh, you know, I need a good snack in the afternoon that's not sweet. Like, how do I, you know, like we ask people for advice all the time. And some of us are better at taking it than others or whatever. But like, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But the same is true for our mental health. The same is true for how we deal with stress. There are times when we cannot do it on our own and we have to ask for help. Yeah. That is what we do. I, I do not change the oil in my car. When the light goes on, I take it to the shop and have someone else who's an expert in that area do it. And when we talk about trying to identify these triggers, that is the engine, the check engine light coming on in your life. Yeah. You got to figure out how to take that vehicle into where it needs to get, get fixed. Um, there are lots of ways to, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's therapy, maybe it's working out, maybe it's, you know, joining up some sort of support group or situation, there could be all different ways of handling that. But if you don't even know your check engine lights on, 
let's go back and figure that out first. And this, this and last week's podcast might help a little bit. So I have to to peel the tape off of that. Peel peel the tape. I can't can't just cover the light with my tape. It works. It works so well though. I don't see the light anymore. What what do you mean? Denial is a powerful coping mechanism, Ben. It works very well until it doesn't. Which is when you're on the side of the road broken down. (laughs) This is the same thing I say to people who go, the gym is my therapy. And go, no, the gym is therapeutic. It is not therapy. And that that's a big differentiation there. Because once you've done therapy, you go, oh, this is not the same, same. <laughs> this is not the same, same. And it's okay. You can use it as a therapeutic tool. But it is not therapy. So just keep that in mind when you're uh, thinking about the gym. And we'll put some resources in the show notes um, so that if you are feeling a lot of feelings and you want to work them out. Um, I know Kristen has some great resources, so we'll put them in the, in the notes. Thank you. you. You're amazing. Thank you for your time. I know it's valuable. I know basically I was just saying Kristen's doing her, what she does for a living for free for us. So we really appreciate it. You're welcome. Happy to do it too. All right. Okay. Enjoy. Bye.